All right, here we go. It is the BCJ podcast brought to you as always by our good friends at the Holy Grail. Hopefully everyone was able to stop by the Grail over the weekend, catch the uh, the Bearcats win over the Miami Redhawks, and uh, we will be back at the Grail here in a couple weeks. A lot, of, a lot of time in October at the Grail as the Bearcats have three of their four games in the month on the road, so... Every time the Bearcats are on the road, we are at the Holy Grail for a watch party. So make sure you make your plans now and get down to the Holy Grail and hang out with us or just go down there without us. You, you, can, you can go by yourself. I promise you'll have a great time. All right, let's get this show on the road. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Hi, David. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I've been in, like working on lighting finally after like a year of doing this channel. I figured lighting was was finally something on the list of importance. Get I mean, I, you know, I can like uh, circle things that you put behind the like, you know, the uh, yeah, those guys. I got one of those, and I got a floor one. Oh, okay. Over here. What if you so hung? Can... What if you hung the Bearcat Journal logo from the ceiling, and then it shone down on you? It was it'd be like almost angelic. Like yeah, you'd but have... then you couldn't see it. Well, you can't see it now, so. True. <laughs> and then, like, you know, everything, why does everything have a remote now? Everything has a remote. I've got one, two, three. The, the Bearcat Journal sign has a remote. On my desk right now, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven remotes. Seems a bit much. There's a remote for the the webcam. There's a remote for each of the lights, like uh, the TV remote, the, the internet remote. The mo- I've got a remote for my monitor. Like, what do we need? I don't need seven remotes in my office. I don't. But apparently I do. Because then when I don't have one, I'm screwed. Because I'm yeah. like, ah, where's the remote? Anyhow, that's, that's enough about me, my setup for, for the time being. How was your uh, How was your weekend downtown, David? It was fine. It's good. You know, the Bearcats won. Was uh, tailgating was fine. They got the streets open. There were no issues with that. No issues getting into the game that I experienced. No issues with the concessions or the vendors. It was fine. Yeah, I mean, I, overall, I thought it was a, a pleasant experience. Um, I, I'm gl- really glad I stopped by your tailgate, uh, and, and got some food because you, the food and the Bengals press box. Are you telling me Miami didn't hook you guys up? I, I think it's just whatever the company is. It, it might even be Armark. Armark, yeah. U- Armark is that you see. Um, it did not look appetizing. They, they had some like hot dogs and brats that looked like they had just been sitting in the like in that tray uh like for like since the last Bengals home game um (laughs) like not the Steelers one the one before that (laughs) the Raiders yeah since the (laughs) Raiders it had been sitting there since the Raiders game um yeah not 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 ideal yeah Uh, but uh... other than that other than that everything was was pleasant a uh a fine experience down on the field uh catching the game and and taking in all the action so uh yeah any any miami talk you want to get to 
Not really. I did go back and and rewatch the game, um, and the one it it didn't affect. I don't think it made a huge difference one way or the other. Um, and I think it was, uh, you know, not a big deal. But for both teams, I thought those officials were about as bad as I've seen in a long time. Uh, there were several calls on rewatch that I was like, just kind of baffled at, um, you know, Nick Mardner's touchdown at the end of the half never should have happened. That was absolutely a illegal substitution. Too many men in the formation penalty on UC. Uh, their one touchdown after Chuck's fumble where they got the tight end out in the flat, the fullback just, whether you wanted to call it pass interference or a hold, just came in and set a pick and just held the linebacker on the outside of his jersey. The whole way, yeah. Uh, I saw that one. You know, it was it was just not, you know, the I, I agreed with the announcer saying that the Trey Tucker touchdown – uh, on, in the corner on the sideline should have been a touchdown. It just it didn't feel like a very uh, a very well officiated football game. Uh, other than that, I mean, I think we covered everything. Uh, Sunday morning, you guys touched on a lot more Monday night. So, you know, not a not a ton worth rehashing. Glad to get the win. Glad to move on all righty sorry the the wife and child just got home from volleyball so wonderful yeah i think i think they won tonight so how about that uh yeah i i it's interesting because i really didn't like on the field the officiating didn't seem like i i thought the mardner play that there, there was like Chuck Martin was right to have lost his mind on that one. Oh yeah, but it, it wiped exa- out at what should have been a touchdown from Trey Tucker earlier. It was the exact same. It was basically the exact same penalty they got called they, for they, on yeah, on fourth and one. Yeah, later in the game. Yeah, like you can't. I'm surprised he didn't blow, like, that's that's when coaches get kicked out in basketball. Quarterback can't come up to the line and be in the formation, and then a guy runs off. As right. a twelfth, as a twelfth man, like <laughs> it was de- simple. Basically, the same play, and they got called for it, and UC didn't. And I would have been very, very upset about it as well. But again, Trey Tucker had a touchdown earlier in that drive, and they took it away from him. Right. I mean, they, you know, I think so, they missed that call too. So it even. I, I didn't think it was like I didn't notice it being bad, but it's really hard to tell. Right, it's tough to tell on the, the field. field. Like, uh, you know, I think both pass interference calls—the one on Arquan, the one on Will Huber—I mean, in the letter of the law, probably pass interference. But like to me, they weren't so egregious that it kept the guy from making a play on the ball. The big, the big play, or the big part of the penalty on Huber was that Avion Smith threw it to the wrong damn guy. Right. His his running back would have scored a touchdown 
more than likely if he threw it to him because they totally dropped the coverage on that. He threw it to the tight end and had the pass interference call. So UC definitely got lucky there. Um, Josh Wiley's penalty, I'm, like, it's it kind of reminded me of those times when a guy goes up for a layup or a dunk and he gets fouled and he hits the ground real hard so they call flagrant even though it wasn't flagrant. Like, if that guy didn't get hurt, are they calling that a penalty? Right. Like, it was a crackback block. Like, I guess that's not really allowed anymore. But, like, you don't, you certainly don't call that every time. I mean, he, he met, went in motion and blocked down on the end. I, I don't, is he not supposed to hit him that hard? Like, I would tell Josh to do that same thing every time we run that play. So yeah, sorry, talking know. to Kelly for a second. Aaron, so, can you tag I mean, in for a second? I don't know. I don't know what you're supposed to do there. Like I I'm fine with that. I guess if that's gonna be a penalty, that's gonna be a penalty. I wouldn't tell him to do it any differently. So, yes. You know, other other than that, not not really anything that I need to to dig back into. I think we covered it all all well enough. Um, Sunday morning. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that what you guys are doing on Sunday morning is putting quite a nice bow on everything. You guys both are analytical freaks, so it's certainly more homework on a game against Miami than I care to do. Yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> and I don't even care to like, <laughs> I don't even care to get into like the contract and the series and what should happen. I. It, it is what, you know, I hate the phrase, but like, it is what it is. It's not changing before 2029 and we'll see what happens in 2030. And that's eight years from now. And I, we have no, there might be two iterations of a college football playoff before then. I mean, so like, you know, they're going to have a college football playoff, maybe in 2020, an expanded college football playoff, maybe in 24, more than likely 25. There might be another version of it by the time this contract is over. So, like, if, me trying to hypothetical and and contextualize what the next iteration of this series is, like, it just feels like such a waste of time to me. Do you hope, like, when Cincinnati is hosting the game that they open the upper deck next time it's at Paycor? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know the – I'm assuming that that was Miami's decision to only release X amount of tickets, knowing that if they released more, then UC fans would buy as many tickets as they could. Um, but I don't know I don't know how that works with the contract. That's the thing is like it's just a very odd dynamic like who what is the control of the quote unquote home team? Like when you see hosts when you see is technically the home team in 2026 do they get to determine how many seats get open? Do the is that the Bengals? Like I don't know those answers, so I can't say one way or the other. You know, all I know is there were empty seats in the lower level, and I don't think it was because UC fans, you know, wouldn't have bought them. Right, wouldn't have bought them. So well, I mentioned I, this on on PTP last night. Do you think it's hilarious? As hilarious as I find it, that the ivory skinned Miami students and families didn't fill the end zone behind the field goal posts in their section. 
because it was directly in the sun as opposed to the UC folks who just filled up the stands. Well, yeah, because we don't care. Like, it, it's just a, like that's the, the problem in a stadium like that and in a setup like that. They just don't have the fan base. So whether they get 10,000 tickets or 50, I don't know. I mean, they just don't have the number of people that are interested in their games, whether it's in Oxford or in Cincinnati. But I don't. But if the contract is written a certain way, I don't blame them for not like opening up more available tickets. Yes, they split split it fifty fifty. But you don't want it like from their standpoint. You don't want it to be even more one sided than it already is. Probably not if you hope to win the game. But if you are just writing this one off as an L, and you're just trying to make a cash, well, that's around. that's the thing, right? Like you're making fifty percent of the money. Why think, wouldn't you want to make another right. two, three hundred thousand dollars by I don't selling think, the whole place? I don't think they wrote this year off anywhere near like they did last year. I mean, last year they knew they were going to get their that was evident their in, their, in their game plan last year. How they approached the game, like every element of that, even with what Chuck said uh, leading up to the game and after the game. I mean, they clearly played this game with the intentions of trying to win. Sure. Uh, so, but again, like, until I get to really sit down or have a conversation with someone and really understand the, and we might, you know, the next fan council meeting, I might ask those type of questions and and see, you know, what the answers are, if those are answers that I can, and I'm allowed to talk about. Um, <laughs> but, like, it kind of, to me, it kind of just doesn't matter because it's only going to be there one more time. Yeah. Yeah. In this contract, so I, I just want to get your thoughts on it. I'll yeah, let I mean, you guys, I'll let you guys do your thing. I would think, you know, I think it would make sense that you allow the home team to kind of determine, based on interest, how many tickets they can sell. But again, the the Bengals are not going to open up the entire upper deck because you might be able to get five thousand more people up there when you can't sell out the lower right the lower section to begin with and that's not on uc like that's just like i said on the fact that miami just doesn't have the fan base like uc can bring all of nippert stadium into the lower lower section and it still yes. isn't going to be sold out right <laughs> because well, of miami what did, what did miami have seven eight thousand there yeah probably? i mean probably i would guess somewhere in like the five to eight range So the, what's going to be interesting is what does it look like in, in 2026 when it's, when it's a UC home game? Right. I mean, where, where the team, and, where the teams are and we'll have a lot to do with that as well. I mean, that's still four years from now. We have no idea. Sure. Um, but you would, you would hope Cincinnati in the big 12 is still on an upward trajectory. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. It'll just be, you know, interesting. I can, you know, I can try to find out just like, how, you know, you don't have to give me details, but like, how is it determined based on who the home team, like, how many tickets, who right. de who decides, you know, how many tickets are available in the whole in the whole stadium? Is that a Bengals thing? Is that a home team thing? Is that a, a predetermined, agreed upon thing that we're going to split the tickets fifty? Because it's not like, you know, it's not like a regular 
home game where your road team then doesn't gives you back the tickets. Right. They're not, Miami's not giving UC their unbought tickets to then sell to UC fans. If you want to buy them, you got to go. You can go through Miami. And but Miami not wasn't like, aggressively trying to sell no, those tickets. No, absolutely not. Uh, the only thing I want to that I want to ask you before we potentially move on: Are you at all surprised how dominant Ivan Pace has been? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I we did just a little you know glimpse into what's going on the rest of the week myself and Matt Weaver from pigs.com 24/7 in the insight um exchange some, exchange some questions today and that was one he you know he asked a question kind of just about the defense a lot of guys leaving who's filling in and and I said that you know, the headliner is obviously Ivan Pace. He's got twice as many tackles as the next closest player on the team. He leads the team in sacks. And we thought that he would be good. But I, I do thought not... that he would be the best player on the defense. And he's still better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, we did not think that he would be as impactful, as, you know, immediate as he's been. And you know, considering that he is undersized, but yet he has this knack for being able to get off blocks, being able to knife uh, between people into the backfield. He seems to time his moves, you know, very well. His blitzes, his fakes, you know, he's just been, you know, like you said, we thought he'd be really good. We thought he could be the best player in defense. And I think through three games, he's blown past expectations. That's hard to do, right? Like, when the expectations are, you should be the best player on one of, you know, the really good defenses, maybe not one of the elite defenses like last year, but still one of the really good defenses in America. And and, and you're better than, like, I don't know. It, it just blows my mind that that he's been able to, to, to have this type of impact just immediately. Yeah. I mean, I fully agree. It's, it's 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 funny you asked the question because that's kind of what I <laughs> put in the in the article. I, I don't know when that's going up on their side. I know you put the he one said theirs up. will go up Friday, I believe. Okay. I just had, we just to had a it. lot. We had a lot of stuff going up tomorrow and Friday, so yeah. I well, I, and I had a lot. I have I'm out of pocket the rest of the week, so I had to get make sure we got that stuff answered and done today so yeah um all right you want to you want to get into indiana sure i have a lot so do you want to kind of like to keep me from just rambling why don't you ask me a couple things and i'll try to you know (laughs) instead of me just rambling on and on we can kind of maybe segment it a little bit all right quarterback let's start a quarterback They, they get a transfer Sure looks like they probably should have tried to hang on to Michael Penix. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know if Michael Penix could can ever play that that well again. <laughs> this year at Washington. Uh-oh. Am I back? Yep. Okay. It, Michael Penix is having one of the best starts in the country uh this year at Washington. So maybe should have tried to hang on to him. Yeah, I think but, he's uh, one of three or four quarterbacks that have thrown for over a thousand yards already. Yeah. 
Um, what are they getting? And I, you can pronounce this kid's name. Connor Basilak. Basilak, yeah. What are they getting so far from Connor Basilak? So I would say he's he had a re- he had a pretty darn good year. I guess that would have been the COVID year at Missouri. And then him, the team, whatever, kind of backslid last year, and then he transferred. Um, you know, I think he is – he's steady. He's He can make all the throws. He, ha- he has a really odd – so I'm trying to wrap my head around how this is possible. So they're 99th in the country in yards per attempt at 6.6. Which is oh. not, I mean, it's not good. Right. But yet they're 105th in the country in passer rating. So how do you attempt a lot of short passes but aren't effective? It doesn't make, I mean, well, they're just, their offense isn't, they throw a lot, but that doesn't necessarily I mean, he's completing like 54, 54.5% of his passes. Yeah. In, in comparison, Ben Bryan is completing 70.1% of his passes. 70% good, 54%. So the fan base would be having a stroke if the quarterback was completing 54% yeah. of his passes. Um, he, you know, I don't want to give too much away of these articles. I want people to read them, obviously, but that was, a, you know, my first question is usually always about the quarterback. Um, and he seems to run their offense well. He's, they're they're an, um, an up-tempo offense. He seems to fit well with their new offensive coordinator, Walt Bell. Um, but I guess, like, he's either pretty accurate or, like, not even in the vicinity. <laughs> I think he's had some dr- – the receivers have had some drops. Um, but I guess his accuracy can be well, well off the mark. I mean, has to be if you're – a 54% passer against uh, one comparable defense to UC and then two not even in, you know, the same galaxy as UC. So, you know, I, I think the one, the one thing that I do that I am interested to see, and this will kind of affect the UC defensive line is he's the first non running quarterback that they're going to play this year. Right. So what does that do from a UC pressure standpoint? Now that you can pressure, you can uh, run games, not really having to worry about lane integrity, gap discipline, because, you know, KJ Jefferson, Avion Smith, and the Kennesaw State quarterback can can be athletic and can get outside the pocket and make a play with their legs. Do they have – what's the wide receiver talent look like? DJ Matthews, Cam Camper. DJ Matthews is the guy that gave him fits yep. last year. Okay, it's in trouble with him. He's a former Florida State transfer. I think Cam Camper's a transfer too. They that's the th- that's the thing with this game. It's their first road game, and they they are breaking in a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, and a bunch of new players. So how does that all mesh in your first road game? Right. Those two receivers take up about. Well, I'm assuming they take up well over 50% of the targets. They have caught right at 50, a little bit above 50% of the completions. 
Um, I think they have some other, you know, they spread the ball around. He completed passes against Western Kentucky. So I want to say nine different guys. So something similar to like what UC has been doing. Um, you know, uh, UC fans know about DJ Matthews. Uh, Peyton Hendershot was their nice tight end last year. He is no longer there. Um, you know, I think it's those two guys. And then you, you've, you, you worry about those two and figure out what to do with the rest. Both outside guys? Yeah. Okay. They so moved we'll, they moved DJ Matthews around a lot. If you remember last year, they yeah. they did a reverse to him. Um, they did – I think they played him in the slot and outside. Well, remember last year they also ran that wonky offense where they put a blocking tight end as the only pass catcher to Sauce's side. Yeah, and they had Ty – Ty Freifogel, who was their main outside guy. So, you know, Matthews might be more of an outside guy. They might have brought in Cam Camper to replace Freifogel as an outside um, receiving threat. So, but yeah, those those two guys are going to, I mean, they're going to, they're going to throw it. They're going to test the DBs, which, you know, I, Miami just didn't, I don't think Miami had the dudes. Kennesaw doesn't throw. Uh, they were they were shaky at times and good at times against KJ Jefferson. So it'll be a test. I mean, you'll you'll need to get pressure, and you know they're go, they're going to try to make make plays through the air because they really they really just don't run the ball very well at all. Even though it's better than last year, it's still not good. They are what in the seventies, eighties. In yeah, they're in, they're in the 70s, 80s, 90s in terms of yards per carry and uh, yards per game. I mean, like 130 yards per game, just over four yards a carry. Sean, Sean, they got a lot of guys with like alliteration names. Cam Camper and Sean Shivers, who is a transfer from Auburn. It's kind of a smaller, compact guy. And then Josh Henderson, I want to also say, is a transfer from North Carolina. Are there two main backs? Um, decent yards per carry numbers, but just like not a lot of touches, not a lot of success. The offensive line is still not a, a very good run blocking unit as a whole. So I don't I mean with the way that you see his, I don't think any of, I don't think either of those guys uh, can stress them outside the way Arkansas did with Rocket Sanders uh, and their other freshmen that had a couple carries and the way KJ Jefferson can run the ball. Uh, and we've seen what UC does when you try to run inside. It, it doesn't go well. And they are uh, – they're. I don't know if he's starting. I'm going to assume he's starting a third-string center. This is a wild one. So last week – their second string center, I guess their starter was out or has been out. Their second string center, Zach Carpenter, I think is from Cincinnati. Transferred there from Michigan, maybe. Yeah. Injured his hand in pregame warmups. Okay. I don't know how they didn't. I watched Tom Allen Monday. He speaks again tomorrow. I don't think I'll be able to see it unless it's late at night. Um, but somehow injured his hand in warmups and couldn't go. 
So I'm imagining if you injured your hand, your snapping hand, you pr- I mean, he's probably not going to be able to go this week. And if he does, how good of a job snapping can he be expected to do? So they put in some kid that's from like a 1A, which I guess is Indiana's smallest division, like came in as a defensive lineman. So this is his first go as a center was last week. And I guess he played pretty well. But I picked up on something that um, Garrett Campbell talked about the other day, which was the three-man front, the odd-man front versus the four-man front, the even front. And talking about, he talked about in the odd front, you have a lot of guys crossing your face, a lot of pass-offs. In a four-man front, it's a lot of see in front of you, hit in front of you. So how does a, if he starts at center, how does he handle that element of guys go crossing his face, having to, to work a, a tandem block with the, the two guards? Something worth watching and just, you know, I'd have to assume that the blunt force trauma of Jawan Briggs and Dante Corleone will be slightly different than whatever Western Kentucky had at nose or D tackle last week. It's, um, and it's interesting looking at them. Like they very easily could be on three. Yeah, they are. They're, they are definitely, uh, skating on the margins right now. I mean, if, if you want to go to the first game, Pretty terrible call and replay by the Big Ten officials to not give Illinois a touchdown very late in that game that likely would have won them the game. Uh, they were down 10 nothing at halftime to Idaho. They were never going to lose to Idaho, but the fact that you were down 10 nothing is concerning. And then last week, Western Kentucky had the ball on their nine-yard line. I want to say fairly late or in the fourth quarter with a chance to go 18 and I want I think turned it over Indiana ties it Western gets the ball go like Indiana kicks it out of bounds then gets a uh, pass interference penalty Western misses a game-winning field goal in regulation then they so they go to overtime Western gets a field goal blocked in overtime, and then Indiana kick, kicker, who is very good, they do nothing offensively, and he makes a 51-yarder to win the game. Yeah. So, like, you know, they gave up 450 yards last week. In the second half, they gave up runs of 59 and 39. You know, they are they are making the plays when they need to make them, so there is – you know, you can't overlook that. They are getting key turnovers. They've been very good red zone defense. Like they've when teams have gotten down there, they have uh kept them to field goals. So, you know, that's a concern. We we obviously, you know, we I think Ryan Coe has improved since week one, but we need to yeah. score touchdowns at home. You can't be settling for field goals at home. And we got to, you know, the penalties and the turnovers, we can, there's not really a reason to keep 
harping on it like it's it's obvious you can't be put especially fumbles you can't be putting the ball on the carpet four or five times and thinking that you're going to recover the majority of those yeah and there was like it was a concern again tuesday of practice i thought the ball was on the turf too much there were a couple times that it's like man they have got to clean this up like immediately because they're they're potentially too good on offense to keep shooting themselves in the foot. Like I, I want to see like what's this what's the real potential of this offense without the first and fifteens and and the fumbles in a, a opposing territory. Like right, it, it, they're they're holding themselves back with this stuff. And I, I talked about it Saturday night in, in the bites, man. Like. It is going to jump up and bite you in the ass. It is going to. It is inevitable. It, it, and it already kind of has with Arkansas, with the turnovers and the penalties. Yeah, I mean, with Arkansas and with, you know, if you if you turn the ball over or give the opponent opportunities like they did against Miami, you know, a better team is going to take advantage of that. I mean, the one, inter- the one would-be interception that, ricocheted off Chuck like their own guy knocked the ball out of their linebacker's hands I mean he didn't know whose hands were there so you can't blame him but the guy is right there ready to intercept it and he would probably walk into the end zone and their defensive lineman is going backwards dives for the ball and literally just knocked it out of his hands yeah and, and that would have been potentially like all of a sudden it's a one score game and, and like there's, there's real game pressure on you against the team. You probably should have been up 35, 10 or 35, three. Well, like, yeah. I mean, Mason didn't Mason punted a few times. It was turnovers. Yeah. I mean, they had like, I want to say they had two, three and outs. They obviously scored uh, five touchdowns. They kicked a field goal, so that's eight drives. And then they had two fumbles and a punt, or two fumbles and an interception. It's 11. I mean, they probably had a cup, maybe a couple more punts in there. He punted three or four times, I think. He punted five times. Five times, so yeah. So you scored as many touchdowns as you had punts. Yeah. And then then your other possessions are turning it over. I mean, they've shown that they have the ability to drive long fields. I mean, they... They have some of the best, you know, like inside your own 20 points per per play points per drive numbers in the country. Yeah, when they when they click, I mean the ball just zips down the field. And that's what happens when you have 15 splash plays. Well, that 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 was my big number I put out on Twitter today. Yeah, 15 about, plays of 15 well, yards. The end, the ending of the defense. Yeah. So We've talked through three weeks about how, uh, you know, the aggressiveness, trying to hit the explosives. They are one of the worst defenses in the country in giving up plays of 10 and and 20 yards. They've had busted coverages in in the pass game, which is weird because their DBs are a pretty veteran group. They're not tackling well. Uh, Their run fits have been bad. I mean, your run fits can't be good if you're giving up. How many splash plays according to Aaron's definition? Well, 
I don't know what I don't Aaron's even know what Aaron's definition of a splash play is. I'm gonna go by the universally recognized 20 plus. That's well, 20 plus pass, yes, not 20 plus run, 10 plus run. No, we 20 all around. That's that's not a thing. Go big or go home. That's not a thing. So go go away. <laughs> 20 plus you can't pass. ask for my definition and then get mad that you don't like my definition. Oh, I don't have a problem with it. It's just it's just flat wrong. Not a thing. Twenty plus pass, 15, ten plus run is is an Jeez. explosive slash splash play. Um, so they are awful at defending those for some reason, and uh, we'll we'll see if they get that corrected. But um, I mean, a lot of the like this game, honestly, like it shouldn't really be close if UC doesn't play with their food. Um, I mean, you look at yards per play. This is a net yards per play, so it's taking in the offense, what they do, and what the defense allows, and gives you a net yards per play. UC's 40th, they're 86th. Available yards percentage, so, you know, you start on your own 25, you have 75 yards. What percentage of those 75 yards do you accumulate on all your drives? You know, you have available yards, and then what percentage of the available yards do you gain? UC's 30th, they're 83rd. So they're like, you know, lower than average, you know, in those areas. And those are net. That's not just offense yards. That's how their offense and defense works together. Right. You know, if you John want to... Goble says, uh, this is why Aaron's covering the American next year. <laughs> yes, he can say whatever he wants because no one will yeah. care. You know, if, if you want to get into the metrics of it, you know, S&P Plus is not big on Indiana. They're, they have them 82nd. They're, you know, Sagarin, FPI, Massey, FEI, 66 to 79, you know, 62 to 79 all in there. So very, very average to slightly below average in, in all of those metrics. You know, I, I looked at some of their stuff comparing Illinois and Western Kentucky, because I'm not looking at Idaho. So if you just go by SP plus Illinois has the 25th ranked defense, UCS the 24th. So very, very comparable. Obviously it's very early in the season. For those that don't know, projections have to play a part because the sample size is just too small. It's not like basketball where in one week you can play in a, in an event and get three games. And so you get an idea of a much quicker, better idea of what a team is. So there's a lot of projections baked in that as the season goes on, the percentage of the projection gets smaller and smaller. So right now it's a pretty, still a pretty high number projection wise, because there's only been three games. So Illinois defense is 25th. UC's is 24th against Illinois. They had a negative EPA per play, 33% success rate, 27% yards per pass or yards per play, they had a negative EPA per rush, and somehow 0% third down success. 0% third down success? I don't know what that, I'm not, that's not, that can't just be like third down. It sounds bad. Percentage rate, like, you know. Whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is, it sounds bad. So you look, you take all that, and you're saying, okay, well, you're going to play somewhat of a comparable defense this week. So then I was like, okay. What is Western Kentucky's defense, and how much better were the numbers? Western Kentucky's defense is 100th 
in SP+. Plus. Mm-hmm. They had eight explosive plays in 85 scrimmage plays. They had 5.88 yards per play, which is only 48th percentile. So, like, you They were bad against the 100th defense. You still weren't that good against the 100 defense in yards right. per play. When you right. see his head, yards per play. Uh, hello, Ryan. Good luck with that. Um, you know, UC's had over 10, Aaron, almost, almost 11 yards per play against Kennesaw, which, again, not going to take that into account. Uh, and they were well over six yards per play against, almost seven yards per play against Arkansas, and well over six yards per play against Miami. So, you know, and then against Western, their defense had a zero percentile run stuff rate and a 10th percentile havoc rate, which kind of goes into what uh, Matt and I talked about today with the defensive line. Uh, it doesn't get a ton of pressure. I love their linebackers. Like, Caleb Jones. Is, is Aaron... anyone going to Thanksgiving dinner this year, though? Oh, no. I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Caleb Jones and Aaron Casey are they're pretty damn good. Like, Aaron Casey had eight tackles and three tackles for loss against Western. Caleb Jones is has kind of stepped into that, you know, Micah McFadden role, leadership, uh, damn good player, like much more athletic. Um, so you have those two guys are definitely going to need to be accounted for, especially in the run game, especially coming at the, after the quarterback, because they're just not getting – they're just not getting the the pressure from their down four that that I think that they would that they would like to be getting. Um, you know, special teams are going to be big. We know that UC cares deeply and has been productive in special teams. Indiana is good as well. I mean, they have a great kicker. You know, he's like I think he's missed one kick this year. It was in the forty to forty nine range. Obviously, I said made one from 51 to win the game. You know, they blocked it. They blocked kicks. They blocked the field goal in overtime. So, you know, that's always something that can swing a game. If it's going to be close, if you're going to, you know, get upset at home, you got to make sure that you're good in those areas. But I'm trying to think if I'm leaving anything out. Do you? I guess on the flip side of that, do you think Trey ends up playing this week? Does your gut at, 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 at uh, kick return? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I to me, you know, he's awesome back there. But like, is it is it worth it? Would you? You know, I understand. I just you, if he if he's got you know. He's obviously got something that's lingered. You know, is he 100 100%? Just playing devil's advocate, though, we talked earlier about putting the ball on the turf too much. That was one thing that Chuck did back there last week was. He's going to be back there regardless. You're, you're saying to put Trey and Tyler back there? I mean, Chuck's back there regardless as an up man. He only fielded that because they didn't kick it deep. He's like the he's like the next line. Yeah. Um, I thought it was on a punt return though. That, that was no, it was on the on the kickoff down their sideline. Jaden Thompson 
would be the punt return. He he returned the punts last week. Again, we don't know is you know is Ryan Montgomery going to be back? Don't know on that. You know, would have to think if he's good to go, then he's probably going to take back over the punt return role. Right. Um, you know, I'm I'm always like Trey and Tyler are your leading receivers, your biggest threats by far. Like. I'm not. I've just never been in love with like putting those guys back on return. Well, and I think Drew Donnelly filled in great. Those, t- those, as, yeah. On you're talking about as gunner. As a gunner, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about like as okay. your kickoff returners. Back on kick. Yeah. Uh, I. You know, I just. I'd be curious, you, even though you can't, coach, scared, you can't coach scared, you can't play scared. But like, if you lost one of those dudes because of a kick a, return, an injury on a kick return, like I'd be like. Like what do we like? Why? I'd why? Be curious. Why take the risk? I'd be curious to see what Drew could do back there. I mean, he's one of the fastest dudes on the team. Yeah, but has he ever returned a kick? I, I don't know the answer to that. Right. And I just I don't I can't look at it just from like a speed standpoint. Like it's, there's way more to it than. than just imagine in you, high school though, if you're the fastest, you receiver, run fast. If, if you're the fastest receiver on your team, I'd imagine as a high school coach, you're wanting to put that guy back there. Yeah, but can you read the blocks? Can you? Are you just fast when it's just you and one other guy and not 11 guys coming full speed trying to take your head off? I understand. I'm just saying I, I would imagine that the high school coach probably no, I mean, we, I didn't – I mean, Chad can can say one way or the other. Like, I don't – I did not see him take any reps at camp from a, a return standpoint. No. But – Tom will tell. Oh, yeah. He's – um. Hello, Richard. Thank you for the donation. Appreciate the kind words. Aaron, do you keep, are you are you messing with me? Aaron? No, I'm not messing with you. I was trying to <laughs> put it up there as you're talking about it. I forget that you also have controls. I do. Um, so you know, Western Kentucky's defense, like I said, hundredth in S and P plus or SP plus. Miami's. Guess where Miami's is? I wouldn't know. One hundred one. So it's it's a, a pretty fair, you know. I think you can fairly say like, okay, those are comparable, comparable defenses. Yeah. So UC had a lot of success when they didn't, especially when they didn't turn the ball over. Indiana had some success, but uh, well, we will see. Where did my co-host go? I don't know the answer to that question actually. <laughs> So I didn't know it was going to be a solo show tonight. I'm doing my best here. Hey, I, I know you. you had, you're not exactly prepared. You had your not show even a little bit. No, nope. Monday. <laughs> um, Jason Cooper asked, "Wasn't Ethan Wright back there a couple times last year?" He might have. He might have been. I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't remember. I think he was. Here, let's try to let's see if there's any. Is anybody else? Give a good question. Oh, wait. Oh, let's see here. Tonk is asking the Arquan question, moving him back into the slot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, and I think we touched on it Monday or Sunday morning. Yes. I mean, could you? Sure. But, like, 
Are you get what are you getting then on the outside? Do you have more confidence in him on the outside and Taj and Sammy in the slot, or do you have more confidence with him in the slot and Bumpus or uh, Justin Harris in the on the outside? I think people are chomping at the bit for JQ, and he doesn't. I, they don't play the same position. I just mean to put him on the outside. Well, I mean, but that means that would be over Jaquan Shepard. Yeah. So that would be a totally different dynamic, and then you'd be talking about moving everybody around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you move, if you move Arquan to the slot, then you're moving uh, Justin Harris or Todd Bumfist to his position, and then if you want JQ to play more, then you're taking Jaquan. So you're basically have two new corners and and one guy back to his <laughs> his former position. So like. Are you just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic? Are you making moves for the sake of making moves? Are you making moves that you think realistically make you better? And like we talked about Sunday, like you're not just going to make a move for the heck of it. You're going to make a move because you think you this guy has earned it, and this guy puts you in a better position to win. Has is better than he's going to give you more production than the person currently in the situation. Uh oh, we got a special guest. We got we got a little bit of an unannounced guest. What's what's going on, my friend? Can you hear us? Yeah, you're gonna have to find somewhere where it works to stop. <laughs> hello. Hi, hi, hello. What's up, guys? How how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a rental car with Coach Morgan right here, pulling pulling into the Atlanta airport, about to fly home. Getting getting back home for workouts tomorrow, huh? We're 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 what five days from the start of practice for the for the 2022-23 Bearcats. Yeah, we're we're gonna start next reception's not great at the Atlanta airport. You sound, you, you're, you're, you're breaking up coach. Uh Oh, well, I think like we tried in a parking garage or something. Are you, are you in a garage? <laughs> Text him, tell him to, to, to get back at us when he, when he can. Definitely froze now. So yeah. I I didn't think he'd give up his location. You know? You don't, know don't, right? don't want that me- the media hounding you and following you around. No, it was I mean it was it was worth a shot. It was worth a shot. You know, just having a, a casual conversation. He's like, "You want me to call on the podcast?" I'm like, "Yeah." He doesn't. He doesn't know our schedule. He, no, no. He he didn't get the updated um uh, content schedule. I mean, it's, it's pretty rude. We're trying to do a an award winning podcast here. <laughs> Rudely interrupted by. What, what he wasn't Mr. gonna say, Mister Basketball Coach. What he wasn't gonna say. Because he can't. Oh yeah. Is that uh, this is a really really big weekend? 
a really, really, really. He could say it's a big, big weekend. weekend. Yeah, he can't get into why. I can get into why. He could just say, yeah, it's a big weekend. Um, you, you want to know why? I mean, I know why. I <laughs> I think Jizzle James is the key to this. Because I, 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 I get the sense. Obviously, this shouldn't be a surprise. Isaiah Collier wants to play with as many good players as he can play with. And Jizzle James is a really good player. And Cincinnati has made it a priority to let both of these guys know, we want you to play together. Like, they haven't shied away from, you know, we're doing, you know, we're, we're recruiting you for this, or we're recruiting you for that, trying to go behind each kid's back. Been, been very honest, very open with both of them in the recruiting process that, look, we want you guys, we want you guys both here. We want you guys to, to, to run the backcourt as Cincinnati goes into the big 12. If you, if the fan base, the fan base has a huge opportunity here. I said this, I've said this um, Monday. I, I've said it last night. The fan base has a really big opportunity here to impress to, to make a lasting impression on both Jizzle James and Arrington Page. Um, did you hear that? What's that? No, telling the people. No, yeah, get yeah, the, the people, those, listen. Get those if signs them, ready, people. If you see them, say what's up. Take a picture. Go say hi. Tell them how much you want them to be Bearcats. Plaza level right outside by the Oscar statue. On your way into the game, if you go in on that side, there's a little couple tents, some tables. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to try again here. Do you have anything you want me to talk about Indiana anymore? Uh, I missed, like, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, Not really. I think it's really strange that, like, the line opened, like, some some saw it open at like eleven. I don't know if that was how accurate that was. Then it was more fourteen or so. Yeah, but then it shot up to seventeen in like twelve hours. Yeah, if that. It was quick. And then it's it's kind of uh, plateaued at sixteen and a half, which seems like a big number. But I mean, given all the numbers that we've gone through. Already here tonight. Like Cincinnati by 14, 17 points sounds. I mean, that's kind of reasonable. where I am in, in like the. Uh, I'm kind of in like the 10 to 14 range. Like I kind of feel like, you know, 38, 20, 38, 21, 38, 24, something like that. You're back. Uh, I made it. I think our service is better right here. Uh, somebody in the chat said service around the Atlanta airport kind of stinks anyway. So it's understandable. I've been here times, and so I'm, I'm aware of it. Um, what about <laughs> is it working now? We have good service? It, we, we look pretty right, good right now. Right now First going. off, everybody is concerned. Are you getting any sleep? Well, yeah, we always got to find time to rest, but uh, I don't know if my guy 
Coach Morgan right here is getting any sleep. <laughs> I don't know if he's slept a whole lot, but no, we've been we've been on the road a ton, um, and then we've been back on campus quite a bit for practice and some things going on there. So it's been a wild couple of weeks, but it's been a fun couple of weeks. This this is this is the stuff we enjoy. How important is it to get a lot of this road stuff done before the official start of practice? Because then you're you're working downhill towards the start of a season. A lot easier to get this stuff done now and cram it in as much as possible. Yeah, well, so like for for college basketball, for men's basketball, the recruiting period opens up on September 9th. And that's when we can, you know, go visit players at their school or go visit them in their homes. And so you try to do, you, you can only go once a week uh, to any given prospect. And so you try to do as much of that as you can around the stuff we're doing in the fall with our players. And then, you know, it's, it's much more difficult when we're practicing six out of seven days a week. So we are trying to knock quite a bit out now. How is, uh, how's it looking with the fellas right now? Does it, does it feel like this is a team that's ready to, to take a step over where they were last year? Yeah, I've, I've been pleased to date. Uh, we had a good summer. Um, we've had a good fall and preseason. We wrapped up preseason conditioning yesterday morning really early and everybody passed their conditioning test, honestly, with ease. I'd say that where we are today is, you know, significantly farther along than where we were on this day last year. But, you know, as you know, that doesn't guarantee anything. We got to keep taking steps in the right direction. And, you know, the meat and potatoes, what we're doing will happen here in October in our preseason practices. I hear you're pretty excited for the football game Friday. It's a big Big weekend, big weekend, uh, big weekend to be a Bearcat. Um, I, I am extremely excited. Obviously, it's a, it's a big football game, and, you know, we have the best fans in the country. My assistant and I were just talking about that here in the car, and we're excited for everybody to be able to experience that, you know, that, that gets to show up on campus and, and that have that on display for, for a huge football game. So I hope it's a, it's a big win for our football program in a, in a great weekend uh, all the way around. So if a fan happens to be walking by the Oscar statue on Saturday, wave, say hello, give the team a, a big, we love you, you know, show as much <laughs> appreciation for the Bearcats and the guys on the team and, and the coaching staff as possible. Right. Yeah, I got to make sure I don't get any trouble with compliance here. You know, and I'm just break, saying, like, like you know, if you see Jeremiah so, Davenport, dap him up and tell him, like, let's have a big year. You see yeah, Landers Nolly, like, do the same. I would tell you that uh, our our current players, they a, a lot of them came to school here uh, because they wanted to be in Cincinnati and the tradition and you know, I think some of the things that are going on in our program, but a big part of why a lot of them came to school here was because of the passion of our fan base. Like they wanted to play at UC for our fans. And so anytime our fans have the opportunity to, to show some love, I know it's greatly appreciated by our players and everybody in our program. Does it feel like you guys are finally like solid ground, like off and running? I know year one can always be, such a challenge that you always feel like you're playing catch up. Does it feel like you guys right now are dialed in looking ahead and saying like, we know exactly where we want to take this. You know, I, I don't think you've, you ever feel like you've arrived. Right. And, and I know no, that's probably that's not that wasn't what I was at. asking. I think, you know, kind of the day that you feel like you've, you've arrived mm -hmm. or you feel like you're in a good place will be the day you're going the wrong direction. 
So we still have like a fire in our belly to try to move the needle every day. And I, I hope that never stops. Um, but what does feel different, guys, is it does feel like home now. Like I, we, we do feel like our feet are on the ground in terms of this is our home. Um, we, we have a, a, a lay of the land, right? We, we know who people are. We know where things are. Um, th- there's some foundational things that just weren't there in year one. And, and it does feel a lot better to, to wake up and have my routine. I mean, like, listen, man, I love to wake up and have my morning routine and my, where I go get coffee and, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, so, so every example you could think of down the line, yeah, the feet are grounded, but we're not comfortable and we are, we are working like crazy every day, you know, with the, with a sense of urgency. So that part hadn't changed at all. Dave, you got anything before we let him go? No, I'm just, just going to say, Coach, I'll, I'll see you Friday at the pep rally at the Wellness Fest. You will? Oh, I'll yeah. see you there. Um, I'll see you down Dave's there. Dave's help running that. Dave, you're in charge of that? I know. I wouldn't go to – my aunt actually is in charge of it, but I'm uh, I'm part of the company that puts on the Wellness Fest. So. Well, I'm excited to be there. I'll be in and out because – you know, we have some other things going on that I'm not privy to talk of course, about of course, uh, publicly, but, but um, I'll be in and out and be excited to be there. And and then obviously excited for all the festivities this weekend. So, Dave, I hope I see you. All right. We'll, we'll make you, it happen. You two gentlemen have a great flight. And thanks for taking a, a couple minutes. And uh, make sure everybody looks for Wes to say hi on Saturday with great enthusiasm. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Go Bearcats. Appreciate you, Coach. Goodbye, Coach Morgan. Said bye. We gotta wait bye. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, so you know, just a just a casual impromptu, uh, out of nowhere, Wes Miller. That's right. Uh, stop in on the podcast. Yeah. To so well, that was stress how important this weekend is. If you want to see him on Friday downtown Kroger Wellness Fest, Friday and Saturday, Friday four o'clock, UC Pep Rally, Coach Miller, Coach Hurd, John Cunningham. Cheerleaders, dance team, probably some band members. Uh, you know, a lot of celebs will be in town for the Wellness Fest. Carrie Underwood, Chrissy Teigen, Brian Malarkey. If you're into Top Chef, um, you know, going to be going to be a big weekend downtown for for the Wellness Festival. So there is a UC pep rally. Uh, you know, uh, four o'clock Friday, and then. Uh... Go see Wes on Saturday. Say hi at the tailgate. They'll be by Oscar. Right. Spill I can I can everywhere. say it. Go nuts for Jizzle James and Arrington Page. Like it's yeah, important. Go, go give him a hug, handshake. Um, I mean that was that like I'm I'm off track now. Usually we have a, a path for this show. And uh <laughs> Coach Vic is not coming on to the end of this podcast. No. <laughs> I, I can assure you of that right now, Stephen. He is at home with the wife and kids. And uh, I'm not looking to have Amy take me down Saturday for interrupting. Um, but yeah, that's just a, just a random 10, 10, 12 minutes of... Uh, of West Miller. Did I even try? No, Jeffrey. I did not try. I didn't try for, for, for that. That just happened organically. I had nothing to do with, with making that happen. Um, 
Yeah, this is a family pod. Bring the ball on. Bring them all on. Luke, Amy, and and the five kids that are at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, we can talk a little bit more basketball recruiting. I'm interested in your reaction to all of this. I mean, I guess my reaction is kind. I mean, is is a little bit twofold. Look, he, he disappears again. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm listening. My reaction is twofold. I mean, obviously, like, you know, Isaiah Collier puts out yesterday on Twitter that, you know, he's close to a, a decision date. Now, I don't, you know, who knows what that means. But uh, he's been a top target for UC forever. We obviously know his connection to Arrington Page, who's been a top target for UC, who is visiting this weekend, you know, we know what Jizzle James, another you know another top target. He's visiting this weekend. Uh, you know, there's been increased chatter around Flory Badanga. You know, potentially a top five player in his class. Like, at and no potentially, po- and, and I'll go ahead and, and jump on this bandwagon now. Potentially a member of the 2023 class. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. It's it's on the table. Let's At say that. no point in the history, even in the, the glorious days of Bob Huggins, at no point in the history of UC basketball has the recruiting kind of coalesced all at the same time in this sort of manner. So right. I have I have that on one side that is obviously uber positive and everything. On the other side, I have the tempering expectations. Sure. Let's, let's, you know, lock it up. You know, it's great to be involved. It's great to be in the top three. It's great to be, you know, considered a favorite for, you know, one, all, none, whatever, whatever you might think. But like, and it's 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 magnified so much more in basketball than football just because of the volume of the players and the amount of offers that you give out and the amount of guys that you truly truly go after hard is that's all well and good but you got to you got to close the deal and we know they're doing everything in their power but all of this going on right now doesn't amount to a hill of beans if they can't close the deal right so you know, I think you have to be understanding of the, the the extreme positives of the current situation and what that could mean moving forward, especially if they can, you know, get one, two, all. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to get into hypotheticals and and percentages and things like that. But you know, what that could mean for future classes, especially going into the Big Twelve. Um, but then, you know, you also have to be like, okay, well, you know. Let's let's make it happen, and then what happens if it doesn't? You know, we've seen, we know how the game works. You know, uh, you know, we know there are players and and influences and you know whatever words you want to use that can throw wrenches in the best laid plans. So, you know, kudos to the coaches. I mean. They are clearly seeing these players as much as allowed and expressing their importance. And their, And I think the key, too, is especially with the Collier and 
Page situation, their importance singularly. Like, That's been huge, especially like, for AP. Like, right, like their importance of like, yes, Arrington, we know you are very close and teammates with Isaiah, but we want you because we want Arrington Page. We don't want you contingent on Isaiah Collier. Like if Isaiah Collier chooses another school that does not change our interest in you one iota. Right. No, I I think it's really important for for Paige that the school knows or that 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 he knows the school values him on the same level that they like. It's not just we want to get you because it helps our chances to land Isaiah. Right, because it's, I'm sure in the back of his mind throughout this process, it's it would only be human nature for him to think that. How many of these schools truly want me and how many of them say they want me because they think that uh, I will just like that we're a package deal? Right. I think that's why it was important. Like, here's where I, you know, I talked about a lot of the reports were wrong uh, that first day of the, the open period. They went specifically minute one to see Paige and then to go do an in-home with him that night. To say clearly, like, Collier knows how all-in Cincinnati is on him. But I think they wanted to send that statement directly to Paige that, like, we're here for you today, brother. Like, we're yeah, we're recruiting Zay, but today, our, our day one, our priority is to be here for you and to do an in-home visit with you and to let you know you're at the top of our wish list. And I think that potentially has a chance to make a lot of it, an impact because I think it's authentic. I think it's genuine. Like they genuinely want both of these kids and they're, they're putting in the work. They, they, they started out Dave today at five 30 watching these two kids work out. And they're just now getting to the Atlanta airport to yeah. head back to Cincinnati. They put in an entire day. Everything they were allowed to do by the NCAA in a day, they did. And I think that's a sign of, look, like we're going to do whatever it takes. Whatever the the rules are, whatever we're allowed to do, you can guarantee we're going to go all the way to that, like to the minute, to that limit. I think that's big time. They're not going to get out-recruited. Mm-mm. Is it wild to you that like we've already gotten to a point like with 2024, I bring up like top 30 ranked kids and it just becomes like quickly an afterthought? Like, oh yeah. Well, yeah. What was what was the one the one kid that's like number eight? Yeah, Ace Bailey. Ace Bailey? Ace Fraley? Ace Bailey. Um, yeah, but it's like, you know, but that's the thing, is this is if you pull an Isaiah Collier or you pull a Flory. Those are the kids I would expect you to then start recruiting. Right. Because you've pulled you've pulled the best in the class. You've pulled the best of the best. You've you've sold them. They like you. They understand the uh vision. They believe in the vision. They believe in the possibilities. Then you then you better be recruiting all of those other five-star and high four-star guys that you see fit your program. 
And we really like this is a lot of this has just been like Atlanta so far. Like we haven't even seen him really be able to like dip his toes into North Carolina when he actually gets this thing rolling and and can take some swings on those elite North Carolina kids. Like that's that's coming too. Or Indiana. <laughs> Not saying. I'm just saying. It's weird. I went to Bradley's website and there's no mention of Drew Adams on Bradley's website at all. Maybe just a technical issue. Strange. His his his. I, you know what? I I heard they were they had a redevelopment. Well, everybody else is still there of the website. Well, I mean, I, I checked their other staff members. Everybody else is still their pages still work. Drew Adams' pages uh, have been for some reason scrubbed from the Bradley website. Yeah, you know, hey. It, could just be a, a internal error. Yeah, it could be. That's probably it. Um, it's it's crazy exciting, man. Like it's it, this is what you've wanted, right? Like, yes. Get us a coach that says I don't give a shit. I'm yeah. I'm swinging. <laughs> yes. Like that's because because basketball is just so much different than football. Like. You get a couple dudes like you can make the damn tournament and you can win two games because you got two really good dudes, even if they're freshmen. Yeah. And they and they mesh well with your returning talent and you have some returning talent, but you don't have, you know, a a guy, you know, not a jag, but like a guy. And then you get a couple, you know, that's it changes your whole outlook on a season. It changes your whole outlook on. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to go into an era, if you're going to go into the Big Twelve and and say that you're going to compete, well, the last two national champions are in the Big Twelve. A team that went to the national championship game a few years before that is in the Big Twelve. Like, you better get some damn guys. <laughs> and you can't get the damn guys if you don't go after the damn guys. Right. Every right. this isn't you know, it, it's it's you know, I'm more on the football side, but like dudes are dudes in basketball much sooner than they are like you're not developing a bunch of three stars in basketball and then going and winning the national championship. Right. I don't think there's been many teams that have had recruiting classes of a bunch of guys around 150 that then go 31 and four and, and win six, you know, win five games and go to the title. Well, I think a lot of people looked at like the Villanova method and said like, okay, if you can land one or two top 75 ish type kids a year, like you can, you can build it, but they started adding like right five stars and like very, very high four stars too. You know, Right. It, it it was just that first one that they did it in an abnormal way. And then they did it in a normal way. And also they had was what was maybe the best in-game tactician in the game in Jay Wright. It helps to have an insanely good coach. Like an insanely <laughs> good coach. That helps bring everything together. So yeah, I mean, like sure. we, you know, football, we always talk about like identify, develop, you know, you're not going to be able to compete in, a rec- in the recruiting world with the Ohio States and the Alabama and the Georgias. So we got to make our hay with the, th- the three star that 
develops and after four or five years they're a NFL draft pick and that just doesn't happen in basketball. Like teams don't bring in a bunch of three stars and develop them and then go win titles or go to final fours. I mean, even Houston, they had right. old guys that they developed, but they augmented them with a Kansas transfer that was a five star. Right. Yeah. You know? Who was the best player on their team. Right. So like, you know, it's just a different recruiting world. It's a different development world. Things have to happen much quicker because just basketball, you're, you are what you are basically. You know, there are outliers, but like by your by the end of your sophomore year, we know what you are. You might be yeah. solid, but like you're not all of a sudden going to go from solid to, you know, conference player of the year. There's like one of those a year in the country. Right. <laughs> like that's just not how it like that's not how it happens. So if you're going to be great, you better have great players. And this dude is is again, Dave, it goes back to why I love the Luke Fickle hire. Because you're 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 touching the mindset of the best football program in the country, which I think is Ohio State, outside of Alabama. And then you're touching what is historically the best college basketball program in the country, which is North Carolina. And the mindset of those guys that come from those places is different. Yeah, it's it, North Carolina. I mean, when West was a player win a title or it's not a good year. Right. Not the ACC title. No. No. You can't get a bunch of lottery picks and a bunch of five stars and then be cool with, like, going out in the Sweet 16. Right. This guy's bringing an energy that that this basketball program has desperately been seeking over the past three years. I mean, you know, say what you will about Mick. Mick had a ton of success. This, in a lot of ways, feels... Oh, this, this is totally different. I mean, Mick took very much the... I think Mick took very much the, like, Luke Fickle approach. Yeah. He wanted... He was very, very specific... In all basketball... All coaches are, but, like, he was ultra-specific on the type of guy and the fit and, you know was almost willing to sacrifice a little bit of the skill because he felt like if we, we are so close and they were like, you can ask any of those players that like, we will just get it done because we are so close and so tight knit. And we, and we so understand what we're trying to do. But I think that's then where they, why they didn't didn't have the success we all wanted in the tournament is because when it's tournament time is you need dudes, and and they had some dudes, but they didn't have enough dudes. Like yeah, you had you had late first rounders and early second rounders. Yeah, like free agent guys. Like yeah, you didn't have lottery picks. You're going up against teams that have even like you know, and even you know, Iowa, like the Iowa game. They have lot. They have big time like draftable. Player of the year, like, right? You know, I'm not going to bring up the game that is not to be discussed, but like, they had two NBA, one first round pick. I know, and I they know. had a bunch of other transfers. I don't that know were what really, his really brother good. ended up being, but like, right? Yeah, those. I mean, they had two guys that took over that game. Right. Said, we're not losing, and Cincinnati couldn't stop the bleeding. 
Um, yeah, it's it's fun. My phone has gone off from people around the basketball community over the past week more than I can remember in a long time. I'm just I'm just happy that we have all these people in the live chat to hear what you and I have to say. I'm sure that's why they're all he still here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know. Wes was here, sure. Sure, he stopped by for 10 minutes. But now they're here for, for what we have to talk about. Exactly. Um, practice starts this coming week. I think he was going to say, I don't think they're going to, I don't know that they're necessarily going to start like on the 26th. I yeah, think that's what he was like getting he was at. Hinting that maybe the week after. Or, the later or in the week. a little bit later in the week, whatever. Um, they want to time that up with like the first game so that you're not, you only get so many, you get 30 days out from the first game, but you only get so many days to practice. What you don't want to do is start early and then you get to the end of that line and you're out of days. Right. You got to, you know, you're taking multiple days off. So a lot of coaches like to maybe take two or three days off at the start and then they don't have two or three days that they have to burn. Ooh, buddy. Bearcat 12. Ooh. Early starting five projection. Oh, man. I, I, I guess Fennessey, DeJulius, Nolly, Davenport. I don't know at center. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't have a great feel for that yet. Um, I think, you know, I think Mike Adams Woods could challenge Tennessee for starting at point guard. I think there is like a, a, a evolution of this team that sees potentially DeJulius at the one, and then you know. You, you get a little bit more length and athleticism on the floor as you move down the roster uh, with potentially, you know, like a Dan Skillings, who I've heard has been just rapidly improving since he got here. Um, there's, there's just a lot of pieces that I think are pretty similar in talent that are going to be scrapping and clawing for minutes. Do you have a guess, Dave? Do you have a preference? No. Win games, that's your preference? Yeah. Schedule came out today. Everybody's upset. Why? Well, I, I mean, I I was very busy today. I briefly looked at it. What What is what is wrong with it? Uh, Well, there's not a lot of meat on the, the non-conference schedule, but, I mean, I don't know that you want a lot of meat on the non-conference schedule as you're trying to get this team together. Um, everybody's upset. They play for some reason. They play Cleveland State on a Thursday at noon, November 10th. That's that's interesting. Tip time. Yeah, I guess it's the women's team has their season opener. Um, that night. Okay. So, so you have skits. I don't know. I don't is it know. on TV? Uh, ESPN Plus. That's the thing that like that's the so the only non the the only non conference games that aren't on ESPN Plus are Maui, Xavier. 
Yeah, I think that's it. They don't play anybody good in the non-conference. Yeah, the Northern game is to be determined. My guess is that'll be on ESPN Plus. Like, I don't know how it's not. Um, but yeah. So you know, everybody's in an uproar. Go to the games. They don't have an actual road non-conference game outside (laughs) of going to Northern for Maui. They do have to go to Northern. That is okay, off so, campus. So go. Could, I think you can make it if you live in the greater Cincinnati area. It's pretty close. I think you can. I think you've managed to go. I think there's going to be tickets on, available. I mean, I I don't like it, but like we've been on ESPN Plus for how many years now? Like, right. You should. We should be used to it. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's not going to change in the Big Twelve. Luke is not coming on. Okay, it's not happening tonight. Or ever. Could you imagine me sending him that text like, hey, can you come on the podcast tonight? <laughs> let, let me, here, here's here's my general thing with coaches, right? They are, like Wes, changes next week. The whole mentality changes when practice starts and you're, you know, steamrolling towards a season. You're in coach, season. You're in season. Coach goes next into week. season mode. When a coach is in off season mode, he'll do things like join you from the beach in Mexico, right? Because he's relaxed. There's no, there's no, you know, well, and, immediate urgency to win Luke a game. Is a, Luke is a meathead, so it gives him a chance to talk about football and get away right. from everybody else. Right. And <laughs> West is is a basketball like junkie, die hard, like. So, yeah, that's the last time Wes is going to, like, volunteer to come on the show. And I'm probably going to get – I am surprised I haven't gotten a call from the athletic department, like, why did you not let us know that was going to happen? Because I didn't know it was going to happen, and I'm sorry. Okay? I'm sorry. It's beyond it's my control. It's hard. But, but if the answer is, do you want me to come on your podcast? Or if the question is, do you want me to come on your podcast? The default answer is yes. And yes. If I get yelled at for that, I get yelled at for that. It's hard. It's hard. You know what I'm not doing? I'm not saying no to a head coach. Is like, can, can I come on? No, we're, we're good. We're busy. Dave and Aaron are really in the middle of the uh, the IU conversation right now. What's what's this, this, the old saying? It's better to ask for forgiveness than, than permission. permission. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sorry. If that makes anybody mad, it's my bad. Um, Luke lives under a rock. It's a really nice rock. Yeah. Like, I guess it's technically like his his house does look like there's like stone. So technically he lives under a rock. It's just a really nice rock. Um, I'm excited about basketball. I think it's got a chance to be a really interesting team, a really fun team. And I think as you know, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll obviously get into it much more, but like outside of Houston, who is going to be good in this league I don't this know. year? I don't so, know. so why can't UC be that team? Right. Yeah. Glad we get Houston early. They get Houston January 8th, and then again January 28th. And then, I mean, I haven't really gone through breaking down this no, schedule. I, I have no idea. I've just uh, seen, so, like, whatever's been on Twitter and – so here's yeah. the first five games, Dave, of the conference slate. Okay. Tulane at home, at Temple, at Wichita, which is 
Cincinnati West, uh, and then Houston at home, East Carolina at home. Oh, you should be able to start pretty good there, right? That's the first five? Yeah. Four and one. Next, next section of games. At SMU, at South Florida, Memphis at home, Houston on the road, Tulsa at home. What time is the South Florida game? Uh, 7 p.m. on January 18th, which I think is like a Thursday. It's the middle of the week, yeah. Yeah, it's the middle of the week game. Uh, three and two. And then UCF at home, at Tulane, South Florida at home, East Carolina and UCF on the road. Three and two. And then at Temple at home, and then Memphis on the road. Uh, one and one, one, maybe. That's would you would you give them five losses? Five six losses, something like that. Yeah, twelve and what, they play eighteen games, so twelve and six, thirteen and five. I think it's reasonable for that home for that conference slate, don't you? Yeah, I mean, if if it's if it's worse than than twelve and six, something went wrong. I I would think so. I mean. Then you're just not like, you're not meeting what I think would be fair and realistic expectations because you know any whatever happens in Maui happens in Maui. The rest of this the non conference slate outside of Xavier, you should win all those games. You're not going to get any credit for winning those games. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, this is it should be a twenty two win team. 21, 22, 23 win team. Unless they're really good in Maui. And then I think all of a sudden the 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 spectrum changes a little bit. I, mean, I, I expect them to be really good in Maui. No, probably not. I think but. if you get a win in Maui, that'll I will look at that as a positive. Yeah. But if you come out of Maui two and one, like oh, two you're and feeling, one, that would be that'd be, you know. Pig and shit. Right. Um, Simone family tailgate, I guess. Like we, we I, do you have anything else on basketball? We're gonna have a ton more basketball, but no. We got I less. So, we got less, so it was it was time for I have, basketball. I heavy. have nothing else. I, I honestly like <laughs> I have no idea what I have this whole big event uh set up for it tomorrow and then yeah, more to do on front. I have no idea. Like, I have to be downtown by 7 tomorrow, so it's going to be an early morning. You're uh, just trying to get out of here. I have no – I'm not saying that. I just have no – like, I have not had any of – I have no idea what the Simone family tailgate is this week. <laughs> I think my mom has told me twice, and I just don't remember. It just <laughs> – Yeah. I, I, I have no idea. Well, what? It's Indiana. There's not really an Indiana food. No, like, no. corn. the The weather the weather should be glorious. It should be seventy two degrees, partly cloudy. So nice little breeze. Like yeah. it should be a it should be a wonderful day at Everett Stadium. So everybody should get there early. Get nice hopefully and- today was the last. This is disgusting day of the day of the year. Yeah, it's supposed to drop like thirty degrees tomorrow. Yeah, like 67 is the high tomorrow. So uh, hopefully everybody can get 
nice and lathered up. I'm going whatever the number is. I'm going with the over for you on Saturday because you're just going to be exhausted from Thursday and Friday. Or do you have to be there Saturday? Are you going to be no, able? I'm, I'm 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 out. Nope. Okay. I don't have to be there Saturday at all. Okay. So, so I'm good there. Thursday is the um. Thursday tomorrow is the big day. Friday the event actually starts at eleven, so we better Tomorrow's have like the setup. Oh yes, we better have all the setup done and and uh, Friday I'll obviously stick around for the pep rally, but I'm hoping to then just be able to get out of there after the pep rally. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll go. I'll go nine and a half for the for the beers, and I'll go six. <sighs> Six flat for the jello shots. Well, I can already tell you well over. I've been in the double digits, both both tailgates for the jello shots. The jello shots you've been you've been rocking heavy. Has that affected the beer no. input? No? no. No. Uh I I definitely went over I'll get to that in a minute, Jason. I definitely went over the number at Kennesaw. We didn't really put a number out there for Miami. I probably it's a road was, game. It's, it's true. Did you, did you like game. my tweet to Brett McMurphy today? No, I didn't see it. <laughs> he put up like long longest home winning streaks in the country, and Miami is actually like in the top five or so with fifteen straight. And I said, "Sir, uh, Miami lost a home game a mere four days ago." <laughs> did he respond no i don't think so uh but yeah I, I would say you're uh over on both of those should be pretty easy especially with the i'll probably get there you know a little early beer drinking weather ex- nice excuse to sit outside yeah Order, ordered my confetti cannons today nice we'll be back I've been ordering lighting and you're ordering confetti cannons. Oh, yeah. I like to have fun when I go to the game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Jason, do we get an episode of the new podcast tomorrow at nine? Where do we find it? You can find it right here. So they are not going to be on our podcast channels. And for those that that are here, we got a a big crowd here tonight. Um, We are welcoming in a new podcast. Um, it is called the Rock of Truth. It is uh, there, there's some some former players that are involved in this podcast. Oh, 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 sorry, break breaking breaking okay. news. Okay, I've just been informed that the tailgate entree is tacos. Okay, so someone. When you think Indiana, you think tacos. Someone's obviously listening. <laughs> She's always listening. I know it's the scary part. So the Rocket Truth podcast, uh, it's hosted by uh, Joe Metzger, who's a, a, a big UC fan, Nick Statterman, former walk-on, Jake Sopko, former quarterback slash grad assistant, uh, student coach, whatever role he specifically had. We are bringing them into the Bearcat Journal Network. I have wanted for a long time to have a podcast run by players, giving you the player perspective. We do that as much as we can with Royer and Garrett and all the guests that we have on uh, throughout the off season. 
But I think this is going to be just another great addition um, to the Bearcat Journal network of podcasts, which go Bearcat Brunch on Sunday, BBP on Monday, Pardon the Punctuation on Tuesday, this show on Wednesday, Rocket Truth on Thursday. We're up to five, Dave. We're up to five days a week with podcasts. Nightcap every night. Well, that's, yeah. Is this like uh, Arizona basketball is a player's program? Is BCJ a player's podcast? It's a walk-ons podcast. A walk-ons podcast? Well, Sopko is a scholarship guy, but like Tobler, Statterman, uh, Royer, Garrett Campbell. We gravitate towards the the walk-ons. Well, yeah. There's already a guy on roster now that's a walk-on that I got my eye on for down the road. Can we yeah. wager on Dave drinks at the at the tailgate? Maybe include it with the in-game parlay. <laughs> well, okay, the question then is who's the house? Because I will totally game the system. So, right. so, so Dave is not it. afraid to like to like rig the system. Oh, the over-under is eight and a half. You want to put 20 on the under? Okay, I'll do the under if I get a cut of that. Right. Like who's the house? <laughs> yeah, I'll do eight and then drink three more when I get into the stadium. Yeah. Because those don't count. It's just a tailgate count. Yeah. Dave, Dave, Dave would not have been good to have like been really involved in college sports like during back in the, you know, the gambling, like the real gambling days. Yeah. Because Dave would have you'd have you'd have got caught. You'd have been throwing games. No, no way. You've been been way too slick for that. So you wouldn't have got caught, but you would have been throwing games. I mean, I I would have been some. I would have been in somebody's pocket. <laughs> no, ne- would never, would never do such a thing. Integrity is is key to college intercollegiate athletics. These student yeah. athletes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. Is there anything else you have for uh, for this evening? Um. Anything else going around college sports you want to talk about? Anything funny you want to hit on? I don't. I don't think so. My my, my mind is kind of all over the place. So I don't think I don't. I haven't talked to Dan in a little while. That 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 uh, that's been quiet. So I mean, you know, it's a it's it, the the games are happening right now, right? So I think there's still some some things <clears throat> being being worked on back channels oh uh, we could talk about you know we we mentioned the uh the basketball recruiting there's apparently going to be some some high level football recruits at the game this weekend as well yeah show them love too more so in like the 2024 2025 class but uh, including the number eight player in the 2025 class dj pickett who just whose cousin happens to be on this current roster just happens to be Jaquan Shepard's cousin. Uh, a very nice prospect from Springfield, which I'm sure. Another you know, top two, two, four, seven guy, Springfield. So, I'm sure someone from about 90 miles south will be interested in as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, Steve Wilfong put out the, the top of that list today. Uh, Mick will have the full list tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for Brent's uh, preview 
Uh, we'll have the staff preview on Friday. We'll have Eric's look at uh, the the American Athletic Conference games. We'll have nightcaps every night. Is, is Brent uh, not attending the game Saturday? No, he's attending the game. I thought he just heard, wants to. He wants to I leave. Heard on the, uh, oh, he wants to leave. He wants to leave without writing the recap so he can go party with his Indiana friends. Oh, I'm the only one that gets to do stuff like that. We have that agreement. I don't. Yes. One of the things that we agreed on when you uh, signed the contract, the, the the very detailed and prestigious contract with, with Bearcat Journal was that uh, you, you got Saturdays off. <laughs> and that you're not expected to work on Saturdays unless it's a very special edition of Dave After Dark. Right. Satur- Saturdays are very much in Brent's contract. And I want to go party with my friends. Uh, did not pass the... Uh, the test for <laughs> the work that needs to get done. I'm already like kind of not looking forward to Big 12 Dave after darks. Why? Because there's going to have like, there's going to be a lot of, there could be a lot of them. Yeah, but that's different now because you got the brunch. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying like, we're actually going to be playing teams that matter could, could possibly require Dave after dark like we're kind of the big dogs now like anybody we beat in the regular season does not get the Dave after dark attention uh Marcus said he golfed with Dan Simon last weekend fired a 74 said Dave's a donk couldn't disagree <laughs> I don't know what that means but uh Dan did not fire 74. I can definitely tell you've you that. played with him before. Dan's not a 74 guy. Definitely not right now. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap it up. We'll keep you to a short one this week just because everything got thrown into left field with what happened in the middle of this show. Hey, UCF super fan. Do you have a UCF podcast where your coaches just pop in randomly to say hello? While they're sitting in parking lots and airports. Tell my boy Christian Simmons what's up. <laughs> we will see you next time. Next Wednesday night. We are locked into Wednesday night, Steve. Locked in. That's right. Next Wednesday night, the BCJ podcast. Presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.